Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. So what do you prefer, VOR or GPS navigation? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and you are listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com. Actually, take a free trial of it at M0A, spelled out version, M-Z-E-R-O-A, trial.com. If you want to go ahead and take a free two-week, no-strings-attached trial, complete everything. You get private, instrument, commercial, FOI courses all in there as well. If you want to take a stab and uh, take a trial there, again, no-strings-attached. So I opened up with a question. What do you like better, VOR or GPS navigation? I think that probably goes without saying. We all lean towards GPS navigation. Although I was um, on the webinar not too long ago, we do um, webinars about about two hours in length. I do a VFR-specific webinar, then an IFR-specific webinar just with our ground school members every single week. Many ground school members listen to this know this. I was talking to Yvonne, one of our phenomenal uh, online ground school members. And we were talking about GPS approaches and she said to me, Jason, what's a GPS approach? I fly VORs, localizer back courses, ILSs. I don't have GPS in my airplane. And I can relate to that because um, when I did my instrument in 6711 Juliet, uh, GPS approaches were not an option. Garmin 430s were not as mainstream. Honestly, Garmin 430s aren't even uh, considered valuable anymore. I remember back when you, man, if you had a Garmin 430, like that was the plane. 530, my goodness, that was the plane. Then WAS came along. Man, that was the plane to have. Um, so much has changed now. In fact, uh, I use the website VREF. It's like the Kelly Blue Book of, of airplanes uh, and their values. And if you check that an airplane has a Garmin 430, it adds $0 to the value of the airplane. It's literally just expected that you have some sort of IFR GPS in the airplane. So 430, if you add one, it's not doing you any favors. And as we know, 430 non-WAS no longer getting supported as well by Garmin. So when she breaks, she's broken, unfortunately. So that's the, the sad truth of that. But I share this topic with you to illustrate a point. I absolutely love GPS flying. I love GPS approaches. I I, I totally, totally, I am all on board with doing everything and utilizing every bit of technology. You better believe, you know I'm a technology buff. We have at a minimum of two iPads in the plane and two three-mic Zulu, one's in the panel, one's on my lap, and each of us flying probably has an iPhone as well, which I still have four flight there. So I got backups on backups. You've seen two three-mic Zulu. There is no lack of technology in that airplane. Everything is digital, everything is battery backed up, everything um, is, is, is synced up so nicely with that. I'm a big believer in technology. But I'm also a big believer in still remembering how to do the basics. Still remembering what an ILS approach is like, what a VOR approach is like. By the way, I learned on the webinar, uh, David G., one of our great ground school members, shared there are 62 localizer back courses left in the country. Anybody ever shot a localizer back course? It's reverse sensing. So when you're flying in, if the needle goes left, you actually need to go away from the needle. I was explained to me by, again, another online ground school member on the webinar um, a, a few days ago, was pretend you're the needle and you need to pull the needle back to you. So you have to go the opposite direction of where the needle is going. We used to have one at the Craig Airport. 
on uh, one four. We had a localizer back course, but they have so many runways, so many um, great approaches in there. It just didn't make sense to keep it maintained. And honestly, it's so much easier just to throw in a GPS approach nowadays. But GPS approaches and GPS flying can also get us in trouble because on a check ride, you're going to be expected to know how to do the basics. You want to know a very quick way to fail an instrument pilot check ride? Fly your ILS on GPS overlay. Probably no faster way to fail an instrument pilot check ride than to shoot your ILS with GPS overlay. Now let, let's come back into real world for a second. I would argue that that GPS 10 miles out is way more accurate than that ILS will ever be. Now, the closer and closer you get, the more and more accurate that ILS is going to be. So, but I get it. You, you can make the argument, Jason, 10 miles out, that GPS course is way more accurate than that ILS uh, you know, signal I'm receiving. And I understand it. But if you fail to flip-flop on the CDI button or the OBS button, depending on what avionics suite you're using, you will 100% fail your check ride. I've heard examiners let students fly the whole approach, and it's this gorgeous approach, and you just nailed the localizer, you nailed the glide slope, you would have thought the autopilot was on, you did it so well. And then you get down, and the instructor says, I'm sorry, but I have to fail you. And the student says, why? You forgot, you flew the whole thing on GPS overlay. It's like doing your driver's test uh, for driver's ed and doing the whole thing with the parking brake on. Like you could do everything perfectly, but if you forget kind of the basics, those little, those little switches, those little nuances, we have to remember them. I love, by the way, GPS overlay of our Victor Airways as well. Again, I could make an argument that at certain distances, they're even more accurate. And I'm okay with those overlays. And we can use those overlays, by the way. But you still should tune and identify the VORs that you're using to pick up those signals. Why can't we use GPS as a complement to our legacy technology is the appropriate ver verbiage, I guess, to use with that. Fly your GPS overlay, that's great. Yet use the legacy technology as a backup on backups. When's the last time you did a VOR check? You know, it's gotta be done every 30 days. How'd you do it? How'd you remember the acronym? We talk about acronyms so much. Speed is the acronym we use, S-P-E-D, only, only one E in there. You need to have your signature is the S. P is your um, positioning there. So we need to know that the actual um, position that we're in and, and where that go. E is our error, how much error left or right is that within tolerance? And D uh, is the actual deviation between um, two if you're cross-checking it there as well. So you know the deviation from what it actually should be. Was it an airborne check? Was it a ground check? Was it a VOT check? Where did you uh, actually do those calculations? Have you done one in the past 30 days? Do you just assume your school always does those for you because so often we just, oh, this, my flight school does it for me, it's no big deal. That's not entirely correct either because uh, there might be, you know, any school I've seen, there's that one person that's assigned to do all the databases, all the VOR checks, and that person gets busy and falls behind and then they push some big update and all the planes are down to this one person. You know, we need to cross-train people to be able to do these checks and do these database updates as well. Again, I, I love GPS technology. I love showing the Victor Airways on ForeFlight. If you ever come to one of our Aviation Mastery events where we dive deep into the IFR skills it takes to truly master ForeFlight, 
We're gonna show you all those fantastic GPS overlays. We're gonna show you even synthetic vision on ForeFly because when, when things really hit the fan in the event of an emergency, I can do whatever it takes to safely get that airplane on the ground. It's not legal to use it for shooting an approach, but in an emergency, you better believe it. Let's actually talk about that for a second here. Totally off the topic, but uh, sometimes these things hit me and they're very pertinent uh, that we need to share. Have you ever thought in a standard steam gauge aircraft that if your engine quit in IFR conditions, you would also be partial panel? Because you have an engine-driven vacuum pump. Could you imagine that? My engine quit in the clouds is bad enough. Now I've lost my attitude and my head indicators. It just got real ugly real quick. This is why I teach students, again, utilizing technology, we're spoiled in Mike Zulu that every, every screen you see on there has its own independent battery backup. So we could literally cycle them. We could turn everything off but the Dynon. Um, and then when the Dynon dies, turn on the Avidine, which also has synthetic vision. Turn on the other Dynon synthetic vision. And we could literally uh, kind of power cycle them and save them as we're working through things. However, I still have practiced the idea of pulling up, the ForeFlight was on Stratus. I think it was connected to the Stratus, right? Because I like to connect for the iPad on my lap to the Stratus, use the iPad and the dash to connect to the Avidine ADS-B. So again, I'm neurotic with multiple sources for everything, but I like receiving multiple ADS-B sources. And you know, it's funny, I've seen traffic show up on one that didn't show up on the other, weather showed up on one that didn't show up on the other. So it's nice to get closer to a complete picture. Certainly not always perfect, but getting us a little bit closer. I share all that to say I pulled up the synthetic vision on ForeFlight and shot an approach in VFR conditions, obviously with a safety pilot using that. It's not perfect. It is not legal to, to do such if you were by yourself or actually in the clouds. Again, we made it legal because we were VFR and had a safety pilot who was looking outside. I was just testing to see how accurate ForeFlight could really be. And I'll tell you, in the event of an emergency, if I was in a steam gauge aircraft, engine failure in IFR conditions, you better believe that's the source I'd be going to. I share all this to say that technology can be a blessing or it can be a distraction and a burden. You have to become so familiar with it. It's easy. Um, maybe you remember back to your private pilot days where if you started in a G1000 where you just sit there and you kind of stare at, um, you stare at these, uh, these screens and you don't even know what you're looking at half the time. You forget you're working on a VFR certificate. You should be looking outside. And it's important, a, a tough hurdle you have ahead of yourself. It's private pilot, it was all about looking outside. Instrument pilot's all about looking inside. If you go on to commercial, it's all about looking outside again. It's hard to make that switch sometimes. But my purpose and what I wanted to share with you that G is GPS is an outstanding, amazing, technology when used appropriately and not relied on. You know, we can't just be direct enter, enter, follow the pink line. It's so much more than that. It's so much more complex than just that. So we have to continue to work through that. Listen, thank you. Thank you for being such a blessing to myself and this outstanding team here at m0a.com. If there's anything, anything at all that you need to help make you a safer, smarter, Pilot, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you.